Hi everyone, I'm Vanna Stratum from Gnosko Ministries. Thank you for inviting us into your home and into your life. And we really pray that our regular visits will fill your spirit with revelation knowledge of Jesus Christ. The word must be fully understood and opened through the Holy Spirit when we read it. And we must know that Christ is the answer to all our needs and all our problems. May this teaching help you to fall in love with our Lord Jesus Christ. Also, if I can ask if you can hit the subscribe button, the like button, and also the bell icon to be notified every time we upload a video. By simply doing this, you're not just helping us sharing this message, but you're actively helping us by your interaction to share this message to so many people as it become more visible because of what you've done. So thank you for helping us also with that. So now join me as we go deeper into the Word of God. Thank you. So tonight we're going to start with the Tabernacle part 16. Last time we spoke and we discussed the spices. There were five spices we said that was used on the, the altar of incense. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about the fifth Spice, if you want to call it that way, that, that we haven't spoken about yet. We spoke about the State, the Onisha, Galbanum, and the Frankincense. And we went into detail with that. Remember we said that the altar of incense is the place where love happens. It's the place where you need to be before you can go into the Holies of Holies. You need to fall fully in love with Him. Most believers still struggle to get there right it's not a negative thing it's not a pointing fingers it's a reality most believers struggle to get to that place where they fall in love with him um, truly fall in love they will like him and have sometimes even a, a first love for him but they don't fall in love it goes away sometimes you see some people fall in love with jesus you know like in the beginning and then it fades away but when you go there it sticks you're in love then and then you can go into the holy place. So um, that was beautiful when we spoke last time that when the Lord revealed that, that, that that's the purpose of that thing. Because that's where all the prayers go that we pray. And we spoke about the prayers uh, and the love happens there because it's on his chest where, on the tabernacle where the incense altar is and where his heart is. That's where John went and laid on his chest to hear his heartbeat. You need to hear the heartbeat and know the heartbeat to go into the holies of holies. That's why sometimes get people that go into the holies of holies as they think and they go in on their own, which I believe you can do, but it is not the right way to do it. There's a lot of things that we can do through the Holy Spirit, which is not supposed to be done through the Holy Spirit. But because we have access, we sometimes use and abuse it. And because we can, it doesn't say we must do it. But if you're in love, He will take, he will take you in and you will have a, a meeting and an encounter with Him there. So today we start with the fifth and the final one of the spices. It's tempered, uh, called tempered in the Bible, but it's, it's salt that's rubbed on the other spices. Salt that's rubbed. The previous four ingredients was to be rubbed in this salt that, that we're going to talk about tonight. Um, the other four ingredients were said to have each equal weight an equal portion that was supposed to be taken in there. So being an equal portion of all the other spices, it basically speaks of the importance of each part of, 
of the revelation of the name of Jesus Christ. Because remember the last time we spoke, you know, it's a while ago, we spoke about the revelation of each one revealing Jesus Christ's name. So that portion means what all the letters and everything of the name means. Whether you pronounce it Jesus or Yeshua, it doesn't matter. It speaks about that name, um, what it means. Uh, I said, yeah, the four ingredients being tempered together with the soul provided the last part in the revelation of his name, Jesus Christ. And we're going to talk about that. Why is that the last bit of his name? The main importance of salt is to preserve something for from corruption or decay salt is used for that you can go through the ages meat was salted in our country in south africa when the boers were traveling how did they preserve their meat salt that's why we get built on it's because of doing that 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 you that because it preserved the meat all right the salt so salt's a very very important Thing is, have you noticed how many times in your Bible, your Bible speaks about salt? A lot of times. I've never done a teaching on salt. I don't know if I'm ever going to go and look at all the details. I know it's everywhere. I know it's got a meaning, but the Holy Spirit's never told me to go and look at the teaching about that. But it gets mentioned a lot. We will touch on that tonight. Um, so if the salt means to preserve... It's a picture again, remember, of Jesus, his name, of the person Jesus. And that means he's the one that saves us from corruption and death. He preserves us. That's what he did at the cross. It's important to, to realize that the, the five ingredients came from these, these groups. It's just, yeah, it's, it's good to know this. Vegetable kingdom, those three, you can see there, the frankincense. Animal kingdom, remember the, the shells and stuff of the sea. And then salt. Those are the three things you can look at of what all these things come off, these spices. And I know there's a lot deeper into that, but we're not going to go there now with this teaching um, to look at that. Salt was also always used for meat offerings in the Old Testament. Here, Leviticus 2 verse 13. And every um, oblation of thy meat offering thou shalt season with salt. So look how it came from where it comes this whole salt thing from the law. Neither shalt thou suffer the salt of the covenant of thy God to be lacking from the meat offering. With all thine offering thou sh shalt offer salt. Alright. So it shows you where it comes from the salt thing. And it goes throughout the whole Bible. The salt of the covenant, yes, spoke of the, speaks of uh, purity, friendship, freedom, freedom from corruption. That's what the salt did. All right. Uh, in Numbers, we find a place even where the Lord used salt in the covenant uh, to do with the covenant. Uh, I've got it here. Numbers 18, 18. And the flesh of them shall be thine, as the wave breast, as the right shoulder are thine. All they have offered offerings of the holy things which the children of Israel offer unto the Lord have I given thee and thy sons and thy daughters with thee by the state of ever. It is a covenant of salt forever before the Lord unto thee and thee seed with thee. See, it even speaks about that with the salt being used as an example in, the, in this covenant. So as a priest, they were given a portion of the offerings. The priest that worked at the temple uh, they got a piece of the offering that was offered by the people. Alright? Um, so, the children of Israel would bring in their offerings, their meat that was offered. And some of the meat 
the priests that worked for the Lord received. All right. Um, they used the breast of the ram, the breast of the lamb. They ate that, the priests. It speaks of love, where the heart is. And the right shoulder they ate of the ram, which speaks of strength. All right. So those that worked for the Lord, they ate love and strength to do the work of the Lord. That's what you need. You need a lot of strength to do this work. And you need love. You need, because people expect you to give love the whole time, but nobody gives you love. And you need to get it from the Lord because people don't give you much love if you stand in front. But they all want and expect it. Yeah. So think of it that way. If you stand one day in front, that's what's going to be expected of you. People want you to love them the whole time. But uh, yeah, they don't realize they're not giving love back. They just want, want from, from you, from the front, whether it's teachings, love, whatever. So what does this mean for us today? If you work for the Lord, one day if one of you guys are going to work for the Lord full time, it means, it means that if you work for the Lord one day, He promises you that He will feed you through the people. Like Israel fed the priests here that did the work at the tabernacle. If you work for the Lord, the people are supposed to feed you, give you what you need. And the Lord will do that through the people that's with you, whatever the case may be. All right. So just uh, for that, so you understand that. And that's still relevant today. That's how it still works. I said, you not only does he provide us with the natural meat, he also provides spiritually love and strength uh, through the salt covenant and everything that he does through that, so that it can preserve in us. Uh, Jesus was given to the world as a salt covenant, a covenant of love to the world. That was his purpose, why he came. I said, we cannot mediate on the name of Jesus in the holy place, because remember, we're still in the holy place here, not in the holy of holies, when we're at the altar of incense. We cannot mediate on the name of Jesus in the holy place without feeling this precious incense of love beginning to permeate our very spirit and soul. Because remember I said last time, when you're there, you have to smell like that. That the, the fragrance, the incense fragrance must be on you. So when you walk and talk to people, they will come to you. So most Christians, people don't come to them. That's why. That's why they don't get people coming in and talking to them. Because you don't smell like that yet. You need, that's the only way you get them to come if you smell, have that smell on you. Your walk, your talk will not pull them in because you're going to make mistakes. It's what you carry. That's what it talks about there. That makes people come to you at the office and say, can I talk to you? I've got a problem. I've seen over the year, you are different than the others. And the way you deal with problems and issues and whatever, politics in the office, can we talk? All right? That means there's a smell on you that they're picking up. And you need that. This is something beautiful to, to realize. What does salt do if you eat a lot of salt? Make you thirsty. So think of what I just said. If you think about it that way. So I said, yeah, salt makes us thirsty for water. So when the salt of his love begins to permeate our being, we begin to the thirst for him, the Holy Spirit, him, for his word, his love. His guidance, you start to want that. Like you want water when you eat a lot of salt. You, you, I mean, if you eat a lot of salt, you, you really want some, to drink something liquid. 
And it's the same when you in, when you get into that covenant, that salt, understand the salt that you must be, and Him in you, you will hunger for Him. Here in Psalm 42, 1, As the heart pan, panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. That's what he's talking about. As the heart panteth after the water. Remember, you have a lot of salt. You have a lot of salt, so you want... That's what you desire, is the water. The water brooks. So much your soul should be seeking Him, wanting Him like... Because it's actually talking about a deer and stuff here that wants to drink and all that stuff. So, yeah, just as you understand. In Mark, we see the disciples disputing with one another about who would be the greatest. Basically, Mark 9, 49. For everyone shall be salted with fire. Have you ever read that? I never read that that way when I did it now. I've read it with fire, I know with fire, but I never read salted with fire. It's funny how when you see something now, you see it everywhere in the Bible. I never saw this word. Everyone shall be salted. So, and every sacrifice shall be salted with salt. And this really got me thinking, well, how does this thing work? Salt is good, but if the salt have lost the saltness, therefore will ye season it? Have salt in yourselves and have peace one with another. You must have salt in yourself and you must salt with fire. Now, what does that mean? Have salt with fire. Have any of you ever had an open wound? Put some salt on there. It burns like fire. It was actually a medicinal remedy back in the day. They used it and it came through the ages, that, that, that remedy. So if you have an open wound, put some salt and wash it out of open, uh, uh, an open wound with salt, then you will know what that means. It means salted with fire. Because what does it do? It burns like fire that salt on the wound. It purifies the wound. That's why we do it. And that's what he's talking about here. You need to be purified with the salt. And it's funny, like we spoke on Sunday with the whipping. Do you guys see how we as Christians always miss this? Do you realize every time a cleansing goes on in us, it's connected with pain? Do we ever preach that in churches? What does it show you what is, what's not happening in the churches with the people? They're not getting cleansed. That's why they say stuck in their sin or in whatever the case may be. And there's nothing pointing fingers at them. It's just what it is. Those of us that have been through a couple of cleansings actually will relate to what that means. Because when the Lord cleanses us through stuff, it's just sometimes burn like fire. Because it's got to purify you. So Jesus asked to get the salt within themselves in, in, in Mark 9. For he knew that once the salt is, uh, of this love filled their souls, it will burn out the, uh, the all the brings out will bring out the purity. Um, Paul said the following year, Colossians four six. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt, that ye may know how you ought to answer every man. Seasoned with salt for speech. So you need to know before you go in with. It, from the Holy Spirit, get the motions out of the way, and then you go in, because that thing must sustain them. In 20 years, they will maybe turn from that thing because of the salt that's on that. Now they're not going to maybe realize what they're eating. I said, yeah, we need to learn more of the salt of love 
the kind of love that sent Jesus to the cross. In our hate and sin, He still loved us. So think of that. Jesus went to the cross. He loved the people that took Him to the cross. You're going to love the person that you're going to correct. Did any of them realize it? Maybe years later, when a disciple came on their path and they realized, man, that day when I was so rude and wanted to throw him off the cliff, that Jesus person, he was actually correct. He was the Messiah. It's the same thing here. So, yeah, it's actually very deep stuff, this, to, to, to make it real today, to understand this. That's why this stuff is not for babies, because they're not going to understand this stuff that you talk here. They would just say, ah, I don't care, eh? Who said he means altijd me? Nee, ek gaan nie om wanneer sit in my gebeur, nee, wat? Water van die eense rug af, then I know they haven't done it yet, because it's never just like that, never. God said that the incense was not to be tempered, uh, tempered with, um, as it is, holy. Um, it was taken again from the brazen altar, remember? The, the coals came from the outside, the first altar, where you get saved, born again, remember? The feet of Jesus is where you enter into the tabernacle, um, the fire is taken there to the altar of incense and the Bible says it's a sweet smell, aroma that comes up. You will smell, have a sweet smell on you. So what does it mean? It, um, it takes the fire of a born again experience. When you get born again, the first altar to release the sweetness of the name of Jesus. Think of what I'm going to repeat it. It takes the fire of a born again, the first altar where you enter the tabernacle, where they get the coals. You need those coals to take to the table, uh, to the altar of incense. Where it's the name of Jesus, where the love is, where the fragrance is. But it comes from, you need to be born again. That's why if you're not born again, you cannot have it. You cannot, you cannot experience it. Materials of the altar, the materials that we use, the shittim wood, out of the previous study we have learned that the wood that we speak of is a type of humanity, man, we are trees, as a symbol of use, as an example of trees in the Bible, uh, Hebrews 4.14, seeing that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. This is a beautiful verse. This verse really shocked me years ago when I read this. This man Jesus is in heaven to make intercession for those who are drawn by the Spirit. That's what he does, he's, the Bible says. Um, so that we, when we get born into this new family, that's what he does. And he, it says there, he, but was in all points here. So nothing you go through, he didn't go through. You know the verse in the Bible says, everything he went through taught him. He was taught through the stuff he went through, the bad stuff he went through. That's what you get taught to. That's why a whipping and a salt burning you is good for you because you learn something out of that. Um, every time somebody stabs me in the back, I say, Lord, teach me. Because I know I've got to learn something next time to be not fall for that lie again, maybe that the person gave me that I got stabbed in the back or hurt 
or whatever the case may be, or if I made a mistake, teach me then. That's how you, that's how you grow and learn. And it's not fun. I said, even though the altar was made out of simple wood, it just shows Jesus as a normal person, as a normal human being, was made out of wood. Um, going through everything what that verse is that we go through today. So all, everything we complain about, you also went through it. The second thing that was used is the gold at the altar. The altar was overlaid with gold. I said, as Jesus that is in heaven is overlaid with, he's dainty. Um, when Jesus was on the earth, his dainty was more in view. Now that he is in heaven, his dainty is more in view. Everywhere he goes, it's about that, his dainty. When he was here, it pointed to that. When he's still in heaven now, it's still pointing to that. He's the gold, the purity, the beauty, everything, it's still the same. He's the one to whom all power of heaven and earth was given. So it all goes and shows and points to him. Here, the wood gets overlaid with gold. What does that mean? The wood is glorified with the gold. The gold, the wood is still there, but there's now gold over it. So what do you see when you look at the altar? Do you see the wood? Oh, you just see the gold. This is also going to happen with the sons of God one day. This is a prophetic thing. We're going to talk about that maybe next week. I will see how things go, but the next time we get together, I might do the, more the prophetic on this, on what's going to happen on the day of the Lord. But that's also in the holies of holies. The, this is now Jesus, but they are, it's the same thing. They're not going to see the wood. The altar was made out of four square. Doesn't matter how you looked at it. It was the same measurement of this altar. It speaks of unity. Everything's the same. It's got to be unity. Uh, it speaks about unity between God and man and unity between the family, having unity in the body. Um, the altar was two cubits high, which speaks of union, witness, always two. Everything in the Bible talks about witnessing, two. So two is made up in one. Jesus was made up of God, God in flesh. All right. Those things you can go through in your own time to, to work through if you want to go deep into those things. I'm just mentioning so those that listen to the CD want to do deeper Bible study can use that. You are now made up of Jesus and you. He's in you. Both of you, Jesus and you are in you. You are the temple where he's coming in. I said here yeah, the altar was in the middle space near to the and in, in front of the, the veil. It speaks of the measure, the statue of Christ, where it's placed in the heart. It occupies the heart of Jesus, if you look at the crucifixion. And that means, exactly what it says, prayer is the heart, should be the heart in everything of your life as a believer. It should be at the forefront of your life, prayer. And let's be honest, that's something we're all lacking sometimes. There's none of us that can say we don't lack it. The more mature you get, the less you pray, but the more you pray. You don't go sit like this and pray, but you're constantly in discussion with him. Where in the beginning you only talk to him when you sit like this, and you make time and you go. Now we talk to him constantly, and then in that constantly we sometimes go and sit quietly also. So you actually more and pray, even though it feels like less. 
Because in the beginning we do it in the morning and the evening and some maybe there you'll have these little like we were taught, you know, you must pray before you sleep as a child. Our parents taught us pray before you sleep and which is not biblical. It's just a good thing to do. But we were taught it is a must thing to do. So when you get born again, you still do that. But then at the stage you realize it's not about that. It's about a conversation constantly through the day. I, I always, when I sit and I've got to think, when I drive in my car, I talk. Even on Sundays when I have to work, the, key, the keys at the back with the laptop, that's why also I'm sometimes late. Because I talk about what I'm going to talk about now in a couple of minutes time in front. And I will talk to him about that and then I realize, oh, somebody will, Michaela will come and whack me and then she doesn't think that I'm sleeping, but I'm actually somewhere else think, talking to him. Then I've got to click. Or I've got to find the words that Andre's singing because I don't know where it is on the, on the, on the sheet. But it's one of the two. <laughs> it's one of the two keeping me, uh, that, that, I, that I lose it sometimes at the back. So I don't fall asleep. I, I think of what I'm going to say and you know, I'm in conversation with him. I don't sit there eyes closed and looking like I'm praying, but I'm actually in prayer while I'm sitting there. I said, yes, so it's prayer that keeps the life, the power of God uh, moving in our spiritual being so that we can have uh, and maintain a healthy spiritual condition is prayer because of the power that we get out of that. Um, I said, yeah, the natural body of a man, your natural body is dependent upon your heartbeat that pumps blood. Um, that gives you life. It's the same with this prayer that because of the heart, that thing is in the heart of Jesus. It's the same thing. You can't, it's what sustains you, it keeps you alive. Prayer. Without prayer, you will die. If you don't talk to Him, you will die. It's that important. Um, Luke 23 Then said Jesus, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted His raiment and cost lots. I said, Yeah, this is love and humility. The more you spend time at this altar of incense, the less better your thoughts and things will be. When you get hurt or when things happen or people do things that hurt you like they did here. They, he was still on the cross and they were fighting and gambling about his clothes while he's busy dying. And they don't worry about him. The next thing on that was the horns, the four horns. One, two, three, four. The four horns on the top of it. We can speak of the four Gospels. Matthew, the revelation of the king. Mark, the revelation of the servant. Luke, the revelation of the son of man. And John, the revelation of the son of God. That's also what those four Gospels, it's one of the topics that's very relevant in each one of those about Jesus that gets shown there. I thought the other day of this word, I'm just going to throw it in there, this word. Who calls him that, themselves that? I'm a servant of Jesus. Because the guy that used that as his go-to was Paul. When they asked him, who are you? He didn't say I'm a prophet or an apostle, even though he was an apostle. He said, I'm a servant of the king. Where do we see that in today's religion? If people call them that, that standing in front. If you ask them, who are you? What's your function in the No, I'm a pastor. I'm of my function in the bodies. I'm a pastor, a prophet, or an evangelist. Whoever calls himself, I'm a servant. 
Why don't we don't why don't we use that word? Because it's no, there's still nothing in it for you. It doesn't put you on a pedestal. It actually puts you on the ground. That's why it doesn't use it. But Paul said, go look in your Bible, he said, I'm a servant more than once. And if he says something different, he will say, I'm Paul. If he doesn't use the word servant, he says, I'm Paul. And I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul did. He didn't get, he, I, Malan doesn't say, I'm broker Malan. Or Dr. Malan. Um, I studied this and that. So it's just something to think about. The word servant is what we actually supposed to be. Not disciple even. Servant. Because these days, the word disciple all of a sudden also became, I can remember 10 years ago, nobody used the word disciple. Can you remember? You one day asked me that years ago. Nobody used the word disciple. Today, it's like a, <laughs> I'm a disciple. They made the same thing out of disciple than the people made out of being a prophet in a, of the fivefold. It became a title. You know, it means you're apprentice, you're nothing, you're learning. You haven't arrived anywhere yet. All of a sudden, these days, if you're a disciple, it's like the people going, <laughs> you know, something. No, it doesn't matter what if you're... Uh, the donkeys that I spoke about on Sundays, you can be a, still a disciple in your donkey, or you can be an apostle in your donkey. That donkey, Jesus doesn't look at where the donkey is. He looks as if the donkey is willing to let him ride on him. That's the qualification, not if you're a disciple or an apostle. But we are servants. I said, yeah, at the altar of incense, God will learn us the power of prayer. At the altar of incense, God will learn us the power of prayer. So I said, yeah, grab hold of the horns when praying. Because horns speaks about power and authority. So when you pray, you pray in power and authority. You grab and hold on to the horns. I said, yeah, even more, let him show you which horn to grab. Think about it. Don't just pray. Ask him, what must I pray for? Which horn to grab hold on? Because they grab hold of those horns. It spoke of something. Next, and the last thing of it, uh, no, no, it's the second last, there's one more, is the crown. Remember in the image? There was a crown around it. All right. The crown of the altar was made out of pure gold. Again, it speaks of the dainty and the crown and the power. I said, as our resurrected Lord has been given and crowned with glory and power. That's what that crown speaks about when you pray. So when you pray, go to the one who is crowned with the power, the glory, everything. Go to Jesus at the altar. The next one is the staves. We have learned the meaning of the two staves that carried forth a lot of the furniture pieces of the tabernacle. Those are poles, those two long things that they push in. Remember, we showed it here. These are the staves where they carried, remember, they lifted up Jesus every time they did that. So we're not going to go through all of that. Same applies here. He's got to be lifted up when you carry him. It's about him, his power, his authority when you pick it up. It's not about you. The donkey carrying Jesus is the same image. You under, he's above you. It's the same image here. I said, yeah, you can also see it in this way. The one stave, you can see it this way. The one is the earth. Uh, that should be the death. The death and burial of Jesus being one stave of truth. The one, the death and burial for what this altar of incense is. 
And the, the second one is the resurrection of Jesus being the second stave of truth. The death and resurrection, when you carry this altar of incense where everything happened, the death, the cross, and the resurrection where he made it possible for us to go to this altar of incense, to go sit there. I said to you, it's only through the work that the altar of prayer can give you that Jesus can reveal himself to you. If you don't go sit there, you're going to struggle to have the correct image of Jesus. But let's make a, give you an example. Today, only through the work that the altar of prayer, incense did, can Jesus be revealed to us in his fullness. You need to go spend time there. Why? Because it's his love, his heart there. You need to go spend time there. Because what that thing, the work that that thing is done with, remember we started with the soul tonight, how it cleanses us. And after you cleanse, you will smell like those incense that is at that place. And then you will start understanding him. But what I wanted to say now is, unfortunately today we have a problem in Christianity. And it's actually been worse than it was 10 years ago. 10 years ago we had religious doctrines and, and churches, if you want to call it that way, that did things wrong. Um, maybe in some places they were mis misunderstood stuff, that there was things done wrongly when it comes to the love and the gifts and all that stuff. Today, there's such a big shift in discipleship going on to the gifts all of a sudden. That wasn't there 10 years that much. It was still there, but now it's like, it's, diff this, it's actually totally different now with the disciple movement in the world. That the gifting, you know, casting out demons. I mean, even 10 years ago, 20 years ago, you that were in the charismatic churches, they worked with the gifts, but they were not that heavy. How many demons were cast out in, a, in those churches? Not a lot. Here and there. Um, even praying for healing. Here and there. And it was amazing. So now the discipleship comes up. The giftings come to the forefront. But where we are today, it's being used and abused. It's again going the wrong way. The giftings. Why? And it's funny, the ones doing, using the giftings are full of pride. Why? Look at the tabernacle. Where are the giftings in the tabernacle? At the cross. It's in the hands. The menorah, the Holy Spirit, and then the Word. So they're basically doing the works here, the stuff here. But where haven't they been yet? At the altar of incense. Amazing stuff happening here, but they haven't been here. And it's not all of them, but I'm a, the majority of, the, of it is unfortunate like that. Because it looks better now than the previous churches did it, because there's now more demons being cast out, more praying for healing in the discipleship movement. So it looks way better, and they, people think, oh, we're much better than the, uh, the Pentecostal churches now, the disciple movements. Ah, oh, we're better than the church. No, they're exactly the same. Because they're doing more doesn't mean they, they've got the revelation of it yet. They're just as stuck as in religion, unfortunately, as what the churches might have been. And you will see all the discipleship movements are pointing fingers to the churches. But they're becoming exactly that, what they're pointing fingers to. They're making it religion again.
So they don't realize what they're pointing out as being wrong is exactly what they are doing wrong at the moment. They're doing the same thing again. They want to point out in our country, like the Archeeskerk, you know, the, the charismatic churches, the, the ones that were, but they're doing exactly the same. They made a religion out of it because if you don't do it like they do it, if you don't cast a demon out like they cast it out, or if you don't say the wording like when you baptize somebody like they say it, then you're like wrong. And you're not you're not part of their family anymore. They don't have grace if you baptize a person in the name of, you don't say a name, you just say we baptize you and you, they say we baptize in the name of Jesus and you don't say in Jesus' name, then, then you're wrong. You, even that person is not baptized then. Because that's the stuff that's out there today that the people use. And then you, they don't like you because you're not part of their group, their little, their little group. Alright, so I want you to see, it's a, Every time God brings a move on the earth, it gets polluted. But there will still be something pure coming out of the discipleship movement that's in the world today. It's, that's why it's there. It's something that must come out of it. But the disciples must learn to go to the altar of incense. And stop staying stuck like everybody before them with the gifts. Because if they go to Him, they will meet Him his heart, they will allow the salt to come into their wounds. The disciples out there today, a lot of them, they do not allow to be whipped or salt to be corrupt in them. They don't want that because they think they can do everything because they're doing the, all the signs and wonders. But they're not willing to have salt rubbed in their wounds. They're not willing to be whipped to go to the altar of incense. So for you guys that one day are going to stand in ministry, maybe, you need to know that. Don't be fooled by signs and wonders. They must go there. They must meet Him in that way there. They might have met a lot of things about Him and they're walking a beautiful walk. But if you don't go there, pride's still there. You lose who you are at the altar of incense before you go into the holy place. You don't lose who you are at the giftings. Come on, you guys have all been on the streets. What did you lose on the streets when you prayed? Nothing. Yeah, sometimes it's stuff here, but you're still in control. You can choose, I want to pray for this one, I don't want to pray for that one. This one stinks, I don't want to touch him. Still you choosing everything. I don't want to go in this house. Don't want to do that. But when you meet him there, you won't care how the house looks or the person looks. It's something different that happens in you. So for the people listening, for you guys, we need to spend time at the, at the altar of incense. We all do need to spend time there so that we can start smelling like these five spices we spoke about. So that people will come to you because of the way you smell sweet. Sweet doesn't mean you're not going to whip them. You're not going to rub salt in them. doesn't mean that. That actually means you are going to do that then. You are willing to do it then for, the, for Him, for His glory and that person, to help that person. And you're not going to get anything out of it, except people not liking you. That's the only thing you're going to get out of it. You're not going to be glorified. <laughs> you're an awesome guy, eh? you grew up salt, salt in my wound, I love you. They will not do that. But He loves you. If you're at that place, you will sustain. And be able to go on with it, with the work that you need to do because of His love in you. Alright. I'm going to stop there next week. 
uh, if everything works out the way I think I should do it, I'm going to talk a bit prophetic on this, and then we go to the next piece. Thanks for watching. Please subscribe to our channel and make sure to click the bell notification button to get any notifications when we upload a new video. Stay blessed.